0: Welcome to the Profitable Farmer podcast, where we share stories and tips to help you run a better farming business and create your very own freedom farm. If you're looking to work smarter and not harder in your farm business, welcome, you're in the right place. G'day, ladies and gents, welcome again to Profitable Farmer. Like many, there's summer rain arriving and we've had 50 mil and I, I hear that there's been a lot more of that around. Um, I hope that's okay for many of you and all the best as you navigate the end of the season with that new challenge for many. At the um, We arrive into December and this is one of my favourite times of year on the podcast where we prioritise the team to showcase some of the Incredible stories of people in our community who are just doing amazing things. And it just gives me great pleasure in this podcast to introduce Haley and Martin Grosser to you. An amazing couple with a pretty cool backstory. What they've achieved in their farming career is just so impressive. So just to introduce Haley and Martin to you, they own and manage MHG Farm Enterprises from Caniva between Horsham and Border Town, about 30 kilometres to the east of the South Australian-Victorian border in the Victorian Western Mallee. They run a mixed sheep and dryland cropping operation, um, have three children, Hudson, Clary and Percy. They are an incredible couple and have been part of the FOA community for five years. They're now part of our alumni. Haley has been a coach with us for a few years. And as I said before, the success and the achievement, the hard work, the dedication that they've shown um, in agriculture over their journey is quite incredible, and I'm really pleased to share their story. So Hayley, Marty, great to see you. How are you?
1: Fantastic, Hutch, and great to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Good, Hutch. I should change that intro because I asked, I just clarified with Hayley that it was three, not four kids, and Marty jumped in and said, well, Hayley's got four kids, I'm I'm one of them. <laughs> and so what an appropriate intro. Yeah. So just to kick us off, and I'm really keen to share your backstory. Haley first, what's your connection to farming?
1: So I grew up on a farm just south of here. So 70 K south of Caniva, and in an area called uh Benio, which is between Apsley and Francis. So also just inside uh the Victorian border. So I grew up on a farm, I was never interested in the farm. I um, was one of those farm girls that was actually leaving the farm. I was going to the city and I was never, ever, ever marrying a farmer, um, let alone moving back anywhere close to my family farm. And there was no um, idea in my mind whatsoever that I was ever going to be a part of the family farm or run our family farm. That was my brother who was going to do that um, very traditionally. So I found myself going to Adelaide um, to uni and, and studying business and then, um, you know, one night at b as you do, um, the old school farmer wants a wife, um, found Marty and yeah, ended up back in the country marrying a farmer and within 70 k's of our home block and also us farming that as well too. So completely 180 in that whole never say never because that's really what happens.
0: And just to join the dots for us there, Haley, your career between uni and coming home, how long were you in Adelaide? Where else were you? I think you studied accounting and financial planning. So,
1: yeah. So, I started studying, I actually first did a Bachelor of Business in property. So, property evaluation when I first left school. Um, I worked in Adelaide for um, the time I was at uni and then um, a couple of years after, moved to Narracourt, Court, um, did some property valuation down there. Um, my job became redundant. So I moved to Conniver and then did some property valuing um, based out of Horsham, but I used to cover pretty much from here to Horsham to Swan Hill. Um, and then um, as I kind of went along, like accountancy has always been a really big passion of mine. I really enjoyed it. So I went back to uni and studied a master's degree um, in accounting and then worked as an accountant before the boys were born and then I did a little bit of valuation still in that point in time and then once once the boys were born then it was really hard to go back to a full-time job so I went back to valuing for a little while until while I had flexibility around time and we were still building our farming business so my income off farm was really what put food on the table and gave us the things that we needed to do
0: how important are those skills that you learned back then in the role you play now?
1: Massive. Um, I think I I mentioned to Marty this morning that because we started from scratch basically and I remember like the bank would loan us 90000 So we had to get really good with money from a really like early stage in our business. So the fact that I'd studied accounting, the fact that I studied business, I think was something that was a strength for us. Because had we not known that, I think it would have been a whole lot harder to get into doing what we're doing. We're just, you know, completely just passionate, I suppose. We were we were young, we were married, we were passionate about agriculture and wanting to farm. But if we didn't know that, who knows where we would be right now.
0: Thanks, Hayley. Marty, same question for you. What's your backstory and your connection to farming and agriculture?
2: We've come. i always been... The little kid who loves farming. So we've always had been on the farm. Um, but when I sort of I sort of started driving headers, father and I used to do a bit of contract harvesting together. I would started driving when I was 10. Then when I was 18, we went to New South Wales, expanded to two or three headers, three headers, uh, went to Queensland border a few times. So I'd done that for Oh, I'll be twenty years harvesting up there, and then we had a little farm back home. Well, the father had a farm, and then the rest of the year I'd just go up working around the place, sheds, shearing sheds, um, driving air sleds, that sort of thing. And then uh, I'd sort of had enough, we'd had enough of that, and sort of that's when we went our separate ways from my parents, and then we sort of got married and everything all at the same time. And that's when we went out on our own. So I've always been that little kid who loves farming, plays with the toys. Uh, yeah, everything's just been, yeah, farming's probably
0: better line I know. yeah. Marty, your family's farm, it sounds like most of, or well, the main enterprise was the contracting. Was it a significant holding and was it a, a big farm and did you get to grab it and build from it or was it starting again?
2: no. The family farm was only a thousand acres.
0: Um father always
2: sort of worked off farm. So that's what he had always known all his life. The farm was only a secondary thing, we'll call it. Um so that's why the contract pushed the contracting. Okay, i love headers, yeah, fine. So that's why we went and pushed that. But then when we went our separate ways, we had to we got a header. Okay, yes, we we, we were lucky enough to get three hundred acres. A ute, a fuel cart, and a toolbox, and that's how we started and on our own cash flow, and Haley and I started in our own system like
0: that, yeah. Thank you. So just give that to me again. When you did set up on your own after marriage and just, like, before kids came along, what did life look like? Would you say 300 acres, a ute, a header, what else?
2: A fuel cart and a toolbox.
0: Okay. Just married?
1: Just married. Just married. Um, we were just, we split from the farm. We were just married and we'd just taken on a um, 1,000 acre lease. Yeah.
0: And you'd moved back to Caniva, Hayley, working full time to support the household and, and make things more, make ends meet?
1: Yeah. So at that time, I think we were probably working in different directions, like We were both very much involved in the farm and wanting to build our dream, but I was very much focused on making money off-farm, obviously, to support us. Marty was very focused on the farming, but also working off-farm and creating the income that we could then grow the farm with. So um, we were very much focused on where we were going, but also working in different directions, just making the bits and pieces of what we needed to do work at the time.
0: What were your goals back then? Just, just reflect back. How old were you? Just just sort of think then and and what did your outlook look like then?
2: <laughs> oh, <we laughs> I was 30. thirty. I was thirty. What it looked like, it was I'd had enough of working for everyone. Uh, other people, like not had enough of, but I wanted to go do my own thing. Um I don't know, it was just want to go do your own thing. I don't know, that's probably one way to say it, yeah.
1: And we were, mm. it was like, you know, it's that we were young and, you know, when you're fueled by just what you want to do and you don't have that whole filter on what can be possible or not. We just knew we were going farming. And I think, I remember there was lots of times where Marty was farming during the day for somebody else and driving scrapers and and air seeders and things like that. And then at night he was farming. So quite often he'd be moving sheep in the dark and then like working off farm during the day. and did that for years, like it was just we we did what we ha- had to do to make it work at the time. And I think until you look back on it, you don't really think about what we did to make that happen.
0: Absolutely. What, what were some of the obstacles for you then?
1: Uh, the biggest obstacle then probably would have been money. So like everything that we, like 300 acres before obviously the price rise was about, I don't know, it might have been about 300,000 I think when we started, which was great. Um, but we could only obviously borrow, say, up to 60%, not even that at the time. And because most of our things were leased, we were always having to be creative with money. Like, that was our biggest, like, always our biggest, um, I suppose, place where we um, provided excuses from, I think. But it was the point that was always the sticking point for us.
2: And like, we didn't have any machine around there, had a header. So we had to, the guy I work for, We'd done a barter system. I used his use extractor and air on contract rates to put the crop in and he'd do the spraying and I'd go back and harvest for him to cut it out um, and things like that. When you go buy a chemical, well, we didn't have leftover half a drum from last year. We had to buy the two and a half drums to use the two drums. Uh, we had to buy three drums but to use the two and a half drums. Uh, just things like that and simple things like an auger just to feed the sheep. Um the, the the screenings didn't have any screenings, didn't have the silos. Um for to store grain in. Just just those simple little things that are a firefighter. None of that. So that that was hard to get around the first two or three years
0: just to find spare cash to find those little things. How much contracting were you doing then, Marty, just to support the farm? Um Probably 10,000 acres a year? Right.
1: Marty was away for probably that first year that we had the farm. Um, When Hudson was a baby, he was away for 12 weeks most of the time, like during harvest when he was up north or like in New South Wales or Queensland harvesting. So it was a pretty big commitment.
0: Huge commitment. Hayley, I asked this question of you. Do you ever reflect, Marty, on just the skills that you sort of took on and developed for those 20 plus years of contracting and being out on your own up and down the East Coast doing that and just how much those skills must contribute now to your success in farming?
2: Well, it was funny when the wet year came in the other year, I said, "Haley, I don't like this. The weather falls down, comes down the coast and it takes so many months. And I just said I don't like it. We had an opportunity to go back up there, but I said no, I don't want to because I reckon I'll we'll get caught up there, and the wet summer come in. Just little things like that. You look back and you realise, like uh, like the one, two, three rain rule up north. You realise you, you don't realise that until twenty years later. And then there's certain things back here, yeah, exactly. There's certain things you pick up you don't realise until it falls
0: into place ten years later. Yeah. I think as farm owners, sometimes we underestimate our capability and just listening to you both, just the skills that you had arriving into this sort of decision to go all out in agriculture and you as well, Marty. Like I just think, um, you know, we are so capable when we combine forces and and set down meaningful goals and go after what's possible.
1: Yeah. and It's interesting because you just – think that everybody else has those same capabilities and so you don't I think acknowledge yourself for them you think this is just normal this is how we are this is must be how everybody else is so it's it's interesting to look back and go actually there were things that were falling into place that we didn't think were big things but were actually key things in our journey going along.
0: Thanks Haley. So Haley, how did things play out for you from there? Um, How did you sort of go about those first few stages of expansion?
1: Yeah, so it was definitely um, a lot of it, like, I remember, like, we used to be on our budget, especially, like, we were budgeting weekly. We were very um, big on timing because, obviously, every dollar mattered. But I think, you know, it, it hit a time when Marty would come to me and he'd be like, we need this. And I was like, no. And so you know, we can't afford it We're very much in that stage. And it was like, we knew that we're in a cycle where we needed to grow, but it was like constantly hitting a wall. And like, I think at that time it was extremely tricky because I was juggling what we were trying to do financially, also trying to give Marty a little bit of leeway to go, yes, we do need to expand and grow, but like, how do we, how do we actually make this happen? And I think there were times that we can look back on now that were points that were real pressure points where we just knew that we had to grow and break through things. So we we took on a lease um, not long after our journey started with farm owners, probably a month into it, and we knew that we had to make it happen given the limited cash flow. And we knew that we kind of had to jump and we knew that if we didn't do it, we would stay stuck and, like, stuck and stagnant. So we knew that we could pay the lease. And beyond that, we weren't sure how we were going to make the rest happen, um, but we got creative with money and we had some really good relationships and some backing um, from some key um, people in town. So that allowed us to make that expansion, but it was really, um, really tough in that stage too. Like this constant pressure of money all the time was something that was really big, And but there was also this balance of having to take risks as well too. And I remember like the first year into our lease, um, the next lot of lease that we got, the one that we got when we joined farm owners is it, it got to the point in October where the crops were like three days off dying, like they were going blue and we were like, what have we done? You know, Not what have we done, but we were like, all right, we've got to really regulate this and kind of see where we sit. And it's like, we kind of got to the point where we were like, if this doesn't work out, that's okay. Like if it doesn't work out, like hang on, let me just back a bit. If we if it um, if we're meant to be farming, it'll work out. We'll be still here at the end of the year. If it doesn't work out, then do you know what? What have we what have we lost? What's the worst that could happen? We we pack up our caravan, we pack up our kids, and we get to go around Australia and maybe do some work and you know find something to do. So we got really comfortable with what was the worst case scenario. And when you think about the worst case scenario, it actually wasn't that bad. It actually sounded pretty good. It was like, oh, well, great. You know, if that's the worst that can happen, excellent. We've still got our family. We've still got our health. We've still got, you know, money and all of that stuff. So let's really have a crack at this. And it luckily it rained and we're obviously still here after that first year. But that was a big turning point for us because, yes, what we started to see was, yes, the money was so important and we'd been so focused on it. But there was this other element that we had to focus on that was beyond that, that we weren't seeing because we were continually staying in the lack. And when we pushed through and created an expansion point, then what happened is we changed our business, changed everything, changed and we would go to the next level. So had we not have done that, we probably wouldn't be farming today. We'd still be stuck or we'd still be making excuses for why we weren't anywhere.
0: Marty, what's your reflection on those first few years?
2: Um, it was like running down the supermarket aisle, grabbing the stuff off the, do I need that? If not, bad luck. But then a couple of years later, like it was just everything was a blurb, just 100 mile an hour, rush, 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 just rush, rush. And a couple of years later was actually, hang on a minute, let's slow down a bit and look at things more and everything seemed a lot lot easier and simpler once it slowed down slowed down it was just you could relax well not you could relax but you relaxed more allowed yourself to relax and then things were easier yeah that's basically the first three two or three four years yeah
0: how much pressure were you both feeling back then
2: <laughs> it was there. Yeah. It wasn't
0: really there. Yeah. And you mentioned that constant focus on money and juggling the cash flow, Hayley.
1: Yeah. It was exhausting sometimes, really. And I think that's where we really hit the point when we did first um, join Farm Owners, where we're like, we have to bring this together and we have to start working towards with our energy in the same direction and our focus in the same direction rather than me treating water at the side um bringing money in obviously which was paying our bills which was great but me treading water this time I was too busy to even contemplate like too busy with going to work writing reports coming home looking after kids and Marty would try and talk to me at night about what are we going to do with these sheep or what do you think about this and I was like my brain has no capacity to take on anything of the farm right now so he was walking away feeling like he wasn't being seen and heard and me not being interested in the farm and I was going away just trying to survive and get through a day. And just- Bring money in, so I think at that point when we joined Farm Owners, we actually made the big decision that I actually quit. Like I quit my job in that year. So six months into Farm Owners, I quit my job, not really knowing how we were going to do it, but I just knew that that's what we needed to do for me to be able to put the focus in on the farm. Marty be able to feel supported, and us actually move together in a direction that we were both like energetically and focused on wanting to go together.
2: It allowed us to stop and talk. Yeah. beforehand that we were didn't have time to communicate with the budget or anything actually we were able to stop and discuss things and, and and be then become creative to get through that situation or or be able to take that opportunity like it just before that we probably didn't have time to talk but after that it was that bit of that slow down to be able to have time to look at things and talk and that sort of it actually Sometimes it didn't make it easier or didn't fix the situation, but it just took the pressure off either of us just to be able to talk and discuss the, the situation.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I took incredible pressure of the load of the finances on me because I was so-called trained in it. I took so much of that on thinking like it was my responsibility and it was also um, my fault if things went wrong. So it was interesting, like I was running that myself without the sharing of that. So when we were able to come together and I could actually go like, um, this is how it is, instead of me just managing and taking on that emotional load, Marty was able to come in and go, it's okay, I can see this from a different perspective or you don't have to take on this whole load, we can actually do it together, which was such a relief for me too, to be able to move forward.
0: There's so much gold in this conversation. Just before we get into a next question, just some comments you've made. You mentioned the importance, Haley, of keeping perspective. So even in those tough times when you're in the trenches, overwhelmed, cash flows tight, under pressure, we're privileged in agriculture to have these opportunities. And your comment that if what's the worst thing that can happen, if we can handle that, then I think one of the keys to resilience in tough times is having perspective and being able to keep perspective and even find gratitude in what you've got in that hardship. So just amazing to hear that you were able to keep that perspective at that time. You also mentioned lack and being in that mindset of lack of money and lack of cash and lack of equipment and having to beg, (laughs) throw and steal. Although that mindset of lack it is only going to attract more of that to us. So sometimes we've got to make that bold decision and change the game in order to, to create a shift. So really appreciate you speaking to that. We might come back to the opposite of that later, which is the mindset of abundance and what that actually means. I'd like to pick that up again. But Marty, you also talked about slowing down to speed up. Sometimes when we're in the trenches, it's human nature, and I think especially with blokes, Marty, that we just think we've got to work harder. If we're going to get ahead, we've just got to put our head down and go harder and longer. And, you know, I love that comment you made about in that in that supermarket, it's the perfect metaphor about just slowing down. And we, we use that frame, don't we, slowing down to speed up. And sometimes you've got to slow down, take that higher perspective, put the CEO level hat on and think more clearly, ask better questions, make a couple of strong decisions. And that can be the thing that changes everything. So some cracking insights in what you've shared. Thank you for me. Um, Hayley, how big a decision was it to quit your day job? You know, I, I can only imagine that the pressure you were both feeling, it sounds completely counterintuitive to quit the stable income of an off-farm job. Now, an off-farm income can be really a really important complement, like it was for your parents, Marty, you know, growing up that contracting income can be so valuable, how big a decision was it, Hayley, to quit your day job and back yourself to lean in and contribute to the success of the farm?
1: I think in the end, it was an easy decision because it was probably more of a mental health decision. So like there were nights that I was coming home and just crying because I hated what I did. Or I'd ring Marty on the way home from Swan Hill and be like, why am I doing this? Like, you know, I'm running around, I'm exhausted, I'm chasing. It was, you know, two kids at the time then juggling childcare, juggling the farm. And I just, I wasn't enjoying it. It just wasn't lighting me up, but it was like a means. And I think it got to the point where I was like, I knew I was done. And so even though I knew the pressure that we had on ourselves, we kind of, we kind of put it in the same way. Like if for some reason I got the sack the next day, we would make it work. So why couldn't we make it work if, you know, I chose to actually do that? So by me doing that just allowed uh, so much energy, I think, to flow into the business, but I got energy back because otherwise I was slowly dying inside. I really was. And I wasn't in probably a good um, state in my mind. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Like I just need a break and a rest and whatever happens, we'll just make it work. And I think like that was the best decision we ever made.
0: Marty, what impact did having Hayley focusing with you on the farm and its growth have.
2: I had someone next to me.
0: Just to bounce, talk.
2: Had time. We we had time. Um it was solo versus working with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just 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 even it relaxed me a lot in what I was doing in knowing that she was happy. Or relaxed and and just just so she could she had time to see what was happening and see what what we're both talking about yeah relaxation yeah brilliant
0: would you say that that was one of the turning points for you?
2: yeah Absolutely. of course. it was interesting at the us, but then once you got into it yeah no yeah it would it yeah it worked.
0: So we what, were- would you say, what would you say to some of our listeners who are struggling with that? They don't think that they can justify letting go of the off-farm income, um, even though they want to turn their attention more towards the growth of a farm. Um, on a lot of numbers that we do, small farms can't justify you know, that sort of a change. What would you say to people who are considering that?
1: I think it is actually stepping back and looking at why you feel like you're holding on to the job. I think there's a big, um, there's a big, like, for me, I was holding on to my job out of fear for a long time because of the fear of income. So I think, like, I wouldn't advocate for people just to kind of, like, I didn't just kind of up and leave. I kind of conditioned myself to get to a point where I knew it was time. And I think, too, I had to weigh up the emotional pressure that it was having as well as the value that I could bring to the farm and i think too is a lot of people are underestimating the value that they bring so when we actually sat down and thought about it one good grain marketing decision for me in one day would pay for my whole wage in a whole year so it was like um like it became a no brainer but we had to kind of work through the process of going what am i what's my attachment here what am i holding on to what's the mindset fear going on around this but then flipping it and going if i'm home in the business look at all the gains we could be getting. And we did. Like we well and truly paid for my waves three times over before the end of the year, even just doing mindset stuff for starters. So I think it's like seeing the value that's getting added because what was actually happening is the money that I was getting paid off farm was actually taking more away from what we could have potentially earned on farm and that was our bigger core base and um, our bigger interest.
0: Great comment, Haley. Thank you. So you made the decision in a tough spot to join Farm Owners Academy five years ago.
1: Yeah. Um, how
0: big how big a decision was that?
1: It was it was a massive decision. So I remember telling Cheryl after we joined, but I, I said to Cheryl one night when we first met her, is that I said we knew that we had to be in the program. We knew, like we underlyingly knew. I knew probably more than Marty, but I just knew this is the place where we needed to be. I knew this was the turning point for us. We had no idea how we were going to pay for it necessarily, but we knew we had to be in it. And we had to make some really tough decisions. Like we were booked in to go with some friends on a trip to Ayers Rock that year, and we had to sacrifice that trip because we knew we needed to be in farm owners. And it was a gut-wrenching decision for us to make, but we had to choose our business and ourselves at that point in time. And it was something that, like, if we didn't take it, like we we wouldn't be sitting here today. We wouldn't be having these decisions. We wouldn't have the opportunities that come up. Like, but we just knew there was such a deep knowing that like it's where we needed to be. And um I remember going to the top producers program and I was like, I knew exactly that I had to be there. And I come out of the top producers, and Marty's like, oh yeah, let's just think about it for a week. And because we make decisions very differently. Let's just think about it. Yeah, it's a lot of money and all of this stuff. And I'm like, I like, I actually was in tears all the way home from Adelaide, which is a three-hour drive, because I knew in my heart that this is where we need to be. And Marty was a bit like, oh, no, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, my God, where are we going? But then eventually, like, you know, I think that was Friday, I come to Sunday night, and Marty was like, okay, yes, we're in. Because I said to him, I'm not going to force you to be in. We have to be 100% in if we're going to do this. We can make it happen. We'll find a way. And so when he was in, then you were in, weren't you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned big investment of your time. It's a real commitment from a time perspective, but it's also a big investment. So it's like doing an MBA. It is a genuine investment. And so um, how do you reflect on on your journey and, you know, have you got a, have you got a return on that out of interest?
2: <laughs> Someone asked me how long did it take to pay for it, and I sort of said six months. Yeah. May not have the physical cash back in the pocket, but the situation has set up the direction, um, the 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 thinking and everything. I said six months paid for, yeah. and then after that, look at it will well truly
0: pay for itself. After that,
1: I don't know how many times over we would have paid for it now. I don't know. Fifty, hundred times, maybe.
0: <laughs> but it's like an MBA, isn't it? That if you make that investment, like your masters in business. Hayley, if you make that investment, it it stays with you forever and the the payback we can get from that can compound. So so your results have skyrocketed and we're very proud of what you guys have achieved. Can you just give us your story of of how the farms changed and what were some of the growth steps over the last five years since joining? Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: So um, I think, like, definitely, so within the first probably um, 12 months, our income, like, had tripled. So we'd taken on the new block of lease and we had things that were starting to unfold for us. And then we've really just, like, been refining our business, running our mindset, refining our business. And then in the last couple of years, we've also taken on another lease um, and we've got some land to take on next year too. So our, our land has gone from farming 1,800 acres to now next year, we'll um, have over 5,000 acres that we'll be farming. Um, we've also had some successions. So even though we left um, Marty's family farm earlier on, there's been succession that's kind of come back around from that. So you know, over time, um, you know, things have changed and we've been able to talk to them. So in the future, then we've got potential for growth and expansion um, through that. But I think just realistically, um, like having benchmarking in place has been a massive thing through farm owners. Like our first benchmark was, we knew it was horrendous. We got on the call with Greg thinking on our debrief and we're like thinking, oh my God, Greg's going to absolutely roast us. He's going to be like, what are you even doing in farming? What are you doing? But we got on that call. And as soon as we got on that call, we are said, we know where we're at. We understand where we're at. We are completely open for anything that you tell us. Um, and it set us up for such a great first call. Like it was really, our results were terrible, but it was a real line in the sand moment. It was like, we are never going to be back at this place again. So, um, Anything that Greg told us, we took in like a sponge. Anything that actually anybody told us in farmers, we took in like a sponge. We used to follow um, Tim and Cheryl around, who were alumni members of that. Like at the start, and followed the alumni group around, and we'd spend Friday night with them. We'd stay in Adelaide and spend Friday night and pick their brains and pick up who they were and what decisions they made as a business. And we would just like take in every last thing that we could, and we just took it on and went, "How do we?" How do we apply this to our business? How could we apply this to our business? This is or this is something we'll park and think about later. But having that benchmarking for starters actually showed us where numbers were at. It then allowed us to track our changes. So from that benchmark, we made changes and then we could see the flow through to the next year. And then we made some more changes and we could see the flow through on the benchmarking to the next year. So, you know, fast forward, I think we're into our fifth or sixth benchmark. We're now seeing really great results because we could track those changes all the way along. We could see the impact on what our decisions were being made on a financial level, not just from what we saw in the paddock. So I think it's very easy to justify that you're doing things right, doing things the so-called right way or the most profitable way, but until you put it on paper and can see those changes... I think um, you don't really know where you're at. So that's been key for us to refine it and also set goals as to where we want to be and what is our potential of what we can create out of the land. And we both still think that we're probably only getting 60 or 70% out of the capacity of our land based on our benchmark. So it gives us this massive and exciting area to grow and change and expand. Um, I think like that's been massive. Um
0: just on that, Haley, what are some of the key numbers you focus on through the benchmarks now? What are the levers that you're most focused on as a business to try and, yeah, refine and drive?
1: Yeah, we're definitely looking like we're always kind of mapping forward what our net profit's going to be or our net profit ratio is going to be um, and our return on assets managed. We're always looking at those things. I think it's about just it, it's tweaking um, like uh, it's I think for from where we started, a lot of the things were just getting things profitable for starters, and now we're able to refine um, the difference in our like direct costs as well. So we're always looking at our direct costs, how we can maximize then the income coming in. We're looking then at our you know drivers in our sheep enterprise and constantly assessing you know whether that's part of business or not. We're able to see you know whether we can hit stocking rates and and what we can do so. It's like we're looking now at each different enterprise and we're like, what are the things and the tweaks that we can do in these individual things that we can change? It's now like that, um, I suppose it's the little tweaks.
2: Efficiency, like uh, making sure everything pays well, not just just ticking over.
0: Like it's if, now it's coming down to the efficiencies, yeah. Marty, how much stronger is your financial acumen today compared to five years ago?
2: Uh, five years ago, I'd just do it on my phone. i just play on the calculator the phone, and probably write it on the window with a texter. Now, it's—I never knew what benchmarking was, or didn't know what any of the percentages were. Now I know a lot more about it. Yeah, it makes it, it. Yeah, and I actually sit down and do figures on spreadsheets. On, on spreadsheets, and that where then I probably didn't. Yeah,
1: and you know the budget now a lot better yeah. too. Yeah.
0: The annual debriefs that you've had, you mentioned that first one was incredibly <laughs> challenging. Now, looking at your trends year on year for the last five years and just seeing the uplift in revenue, the uplift in profit, Um, I mean, what are the percentages, Hayley? How much has income grown and what percentage uplift have you seen in profit over those five years?
1: Well, now you're putting me on the spot, Hutt. Chief is. Um, we were in the negative... When we first started, our net profit was very low, if not in the negative. And now, um, this last benchmark, our net profit was well over thirty
0: percent. Yeah, of income, and incomes jumped to north of one point five million or thereabouts.
1: So we've um, we probably fivefolded our income now. I yep. think when we first started, it might have been three hundred thousand. Actually, I joked to Marty. I think our first income ever, not before benchmarking, when we first started. Farming was like ninety thousand because the year was terrible when we started. Um, yeah, ninety thousand was our first income from farming, and now we're well over one point five mil. So,
0: amazing. Yep, and as you say, return on assets, manage your profit percentage, which is a measure of efficiency, your equity, um, and then when you look at an allocating the costs across to each enterprise and looking at the performance of each enterprise on a per hectare, per ton, per DSE basis. You know, both your enterprises are now high-performing. You know, if we think about each of those enterprises, Marty, how much more efficient and effective and productive are you than you were back then? Um,
2: Probably I'll say double. Probably twice the efficiency of, 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 produ- uh, of production, yeah.
1: Every year you seem to be doing the same amount but like a lot more calm and it flows a lot better like over the years years it's progressed
2: probably seems easier because you're knowing it more like getting more comfortable with everything yeah
0: it's so important that that benchmark and knowing those numbers gives us optics for decision making but how much stronger is the strategic plan that you now have that it's based around driving those ratios and those numbers when i look at your Clarity action plan a lot of the 3 and 5 and 10 year goals that you've got are around those ratios that you need to see improve so how important is it to get those benchmarks but then how, how strong is it that that helps your strategic plan
1: I think like before we we just knew we needed to get bigger when now we've got our benchmark and we can see the figures we can actually start to see where our scale needs to be to be profitable so that then flows into our strategic plan because now we have goals around the acres or the hectares that we want to be able to farm which then feeds back into that so I think like we we can see how much everything costs we can see where our overheads are sitting we can see where which enterprises need expanding and which don't so then like yeah moving forward strategically we can set those goals otherwise we were like oh yeah you know maybe it's 3,000 acres that we need to get to that'd be great you know looking from a different perspective but Now we actually have, I suppose, facts in a way, or not facts, but guidance in terms of what we need to do to get where we are. And I think it continually expands our minds to what's possible. So um, without the benchmarking, we don't know what we're aiming for. You know, we could be aiming way too low and then missing it, not missing out, but not seeing what's possible. That benchmarking allows us to open up so much.
0: Hayley, tell me about your three-page strategic plan. We call it, call it a clarity action plan, but within that, your core values, your big, hairy, audacious goal, your 10-year goals, your core focus, and then breaking that right the way back to three-year, one-year goals, quarterly plan. Um, how has that as a tool helped you and Marty and your team be aligned to a common direction?
1: I think for starters, what it's allowed us to do is look at it over a bigger period of time. So there's there's an impatience of wanting to be somewhere and I think that's where it's like, let's just work harder, work harder, work harder and that's what we're in to get somewhere. But when we kind of get everything down on the cap, it's like we look at our BHAG as if it was a 25-year goal roughly. So in those 25 years, we have 100 lots of 90 days to get to that 25-year goal, to get to that BHAG. So it was like all of a sudden you open up time, like, oh, I've got 100 100, like 90-day quarters to get to this goal. And then you could actually map it out so that, okay, well, in one-year time we need to be at this point in order to reach that goal and then in three years' time these are the benchmarks we want to be at in order to get to these goals. So what it's given us is like a strategic roadmap. It's given us this plan to be able to go oh, this actually doesn't seem so bad anymore. This seems actually, you know, okay. Well, it was really overwhelming to think how are we going to get to our VHAG and you'd get stuck at that and procrastinate. So it's been interesting just to to map it out and look at it because I think that also allows you to slow down to speed up because we know that if we're doing the key things in 90 days and normally it's only three to five things that we're doing, then we know that we're still get rolling our boat bigger or stepping ourselves closer to that goal. If we don't do anything else other than operations around those three strategic things, we're still getting there. And so all of a sudden there becomes like time actually works with you rather than against you. And I think then in terms of alignment with Marty and I, we both have a direction that we're working towards. So be it on the farm, be it in my business, whatever that is, we're still working to the same direction and we can exactly map out where we're going. So it gets everything out of everybody's heads and onto the page, and we can just focus moving forward, because we've found the times in our journey where we aren't on the same page; we're both completely scattered. So this keeps us in the direction we need to be going.
0: Marty, how important is that plan on a page for you?
2: I'm a type of person who probably mainly runs in my head. Um, actually gets it out of my head on paper, so hardly knows what I'm thinking. And then I know what she's thinking, and then we're both on the similar page. We know what, we're both what we're both talking about. So, yeah, I operate mainly in my head, and she knows what I'm thinking about, basically. It's one way of doing that.
0: And, yeah, thinking out into the future about a significant growth plan can be a bit intimidating or a bit overwhelming. How confident are you, Marty, in implementing the goals that you've set down for your next five, ten years in that plan?
2: When you look back over what you've ticked off, it's actually scary what you can do or what we have done. Um, and that's one thing we probably don't do enough of is look back what we've ticked off over the years. So when you've actually seen that and been able to put it on paper and then go back and tick it off, and it, now you've put some outrageous things down, you say, well, that's easy. I know I'm going to get there. It, it's, it's, it's scary what you can do
1: yeah and it was interesting we had our annual planning meeting uh back in July I think and our oldest son Hudson who's 14 was at that meeting and we got him to go through our cap and he actually looked at our BHAG and went it's too low like you need to raise it it's not big enough and we we're like okay well you know where are your thoughts at and he was like bang 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 this is it and I was like wow he then lifted the lead to potential to us as well, because he came in from a whole different way. And we were able to show him the cap, not, not obviously being a part of planning it. He sat down, he looked at our company standards or our values, and he, we're like, so where are we living them and where aren't we? And he was like, dad's not living them here or whatever. Um, And he was able to sit down and say that. And so he, he can actually see where we're heading as well too. And it's been great even to have that and share that with them. So they actually get an idea what of like they get an idea growing up of how not how things are done from a this is how we do it in our family but this is like this is the tools that we use to be able to map out our life he can see what we're wanting to do so as we go through and as succession happens with all three boys and we have these conversations and whether they come into the farm or not they can see the direction that we're heading they can see how things are playing out there's no um I suppose there's no secrecy in our family. it's very much it's it's all open. We talk about everything. So I think it's great that they can have buy into that like Hudson will go back to boarding school and he'll ring us because he's got an idea about something that he saw on the cap or like something that he wants to put on the cap or action into and it's like you know it's it's mind-blowing sometimes the the ripple effect that this has just beyond us.
0: I can only imagine how that makes you both feel I can I can see how proud you are yeah. Hudson's 14, but just out of interest, how do you think it makes him feel being able to know at his age that he can contribute to the plan that is going to grow the business?
2: Turns him into a 35, 40 year old. He is he's got controls of the steering wheel and he is driving his bus on
0: that page. Yeah. Is that amazing that, that people just want to be enrolled and inspired by a compelling vision and the fact that you've given him something that he can hook onto at that age, I mean, that's just incredible and succession's already in play, isn't
1: it? And, and we love, like, we love the input because he has a completely different view on life. He has a completely different filter, completely different conditioning. He's seeing our farming business. He's seeing our life completely different. And I love the fact that he's seeing it from a kid because kids aren't, like, before you know they haven't been squashed down yet they haven't been told they can't they haven't been told anything so they're actually seeing it from these really open eyes with really vivid imagination and I think that's great because it reminds us it actually makes us open our minds and think about what are the things that we're doing just because they're the things that have always been done versus doing the things that we want to do because that's who we are and that's the life that we want to create so I think it's great like he's got authority and he's responsibility around that. And he takes it not not really seriously, but he he does. It's like he he takes it with pride and it's really meaningful. And even Clary, who's 12, he's starting to come up and do that. He has a different direction of thinking. And so he's thinking about it different ways. Like Quite often, he'll come home and have these conversations with me. And I'm like, "It's they're, they're old thinking, but they're still kids. They're not trying to be old. They just have minds that are starting to think about the things that they want to do and they want to do on the farm and in life. So I think, you know, it's brilliant.
0: So I've heard you both mention mindset in this discussion a few times. Um, How do you reflect on perhaps where your mindset was, where it is and some of the key things that you've taken from the Platinum Mastermind Program and FOA that's really supported you to make a significant shift marty i might throw to you to speak first if that's okay
2: probably i probably didn't have the confidence um where now the first couple of years of the plus masterminds i that created confidence in me making decisions and just backing myself and just taking a part and having a go like there's more than one way of doing it it's just Yeah, just it's confidence.
0: Confidence, probably the biggest thing, yeah. Perfect. And Haley, for you, how how has your mindset changed and what are some of the things that you've learned around that on your journey with us?
1: Yeah. So before we joined Farm Owners, we were probably we spent a lot of time below the line. So in excuses, in blame, in victimhood. So we were like, it was always like when there's a better season, we'll get better. Or when we have more money, then that'll change things. Or um, like, like when we can, we always saw that when other people gain things that we must then have to miss out. So it was very much like, um, uh, always blow the line, very much victim. We're small farmers, all of that thing that goes up. How can we compete? And um, so our mindset kind of sat there. And then what we kind of realized um, probably just pre before farm owners and then was amplified in farm, farm owners was that our mindset was actually the thing that was creating our reality. It was the missing piece. So I could remember saying to Marty, like, we feel like we're getting like two steps forward and then it was like a rubber band that pulled us back and we we couldn't work out what that was. And then I think the first deep dive we come into um, the Platinum Mastermind was around mindset. It was the purely, um, I think it was the the take stock one maybe, and, you know, take stock of your mind.
0: And, and- was it- in months, uh, oh, tune tune in.
1: in it was, you're right, sorry, tune in it was. So we were sitting there and all of a sudden it was like this aha moment, it's like um really big aha moment around the reality that we were creating. So like we weren't taking responsibility, we weren't being accountable um, and we weren't taking ownership for what we were doing. So like from that point in time we kind of both looked at each other and went, right, this is where we play now. This is the standard that we play. And so that was a big takeaway. It's like every single time we got below the line, we would call, call BS on each other and we would pull ourselves up and we would put ourselves above the line and things started to change. And that same um, that same deep dive, Robbo was on stage talking about money mindset and I was like, I was sitting there and I'm like, I know the numbers stuff. I We're really hot on our budget. We're doing the things. Like we're doing all the things. Why aren't we changing? And he stood up there and introduced us to the whole money mindset. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is exactly what we've been missing. Like our relationship with money is terrible. We're in such a scarcity mindset. We're all about lack. And so from that point too, we were like, right, we've got new levels around money. So we would be so um, like hot on ourselves in terms of how we spoke about money because that's a reflection of how we think and how we feel about it. So, every time something came out of our mouth that didn't match the reality that we wanted to create, we would change it up. So, so for example, we, you know, let's just say it was getting to a tight time and we, you know, would, the old language would be, we don't have any money. We would then go to every day we're getting closer to like a new financial reality. So we weren't lying to ourselves. We were just changing the way that we were looking at things and changing perspective. So, And we did that both mindset-wise and obviously specifically with money because that was our biggest area that we needed to work on, but just just general mindset as well because it's all the same, like um, how you do one is how you do both. So we were just very, very hot on that because realistically for the first year in farm owners, we didn't have the capacity to make any monetary changes. We were very much set in these are the things that we just need to flow through to this year because um, income was where it was at. But what we can do is we can focus on something different. We can come with a different perspective. We can talk differently. We can show up differently. We can have different standards. We can start to think differently. We can start to think like a successful farmer, even though we're not one yet, in terms of what you want to pass as success. So we could start being the person who was already in the space that we're now in. So that was where we focused our first probably 12 months. And at the end of that year, I remember like Marty used to say to me, he'd have a couple of times where he like, this is just coincidence, Haley. This is just coincidence. This is just coincidence. And I remember him getting to the point going, okay, there must be something in this because it can't be coincidental anymore. And like that was probably the biggest turning point for Marty in terms of mindset like I was on it and it's just interesting because that set us up to be where we are. If we had not have done that, you know, it we wouldn't have been the person that have been able to create what we have because we still would have been stuck in victim or blame or still, you know, thinking it was something outside of ourselves.
0: Thanks Hayley, thanks Marty. So left unchecked our mindset can be less than constructive where we are below the line, um, that we are full of fear and that our beliefs aren't serving us, and that can lend to us creating a reality that that isn't what's possible. Um, you've just done so much work on that and changed so much. Um, the results now speak for themselves. Hayley, one of my favorite parts of the role I play is being able to invite Platinum Mastermind and alumni members to be of our foa team and become coaches with us and i distinctly remember the phone call three years ago where i got to invite you to become a business coach with us um you also now coach around the money mindset and um help others really check in on and um change their attitude toward money how's your coaching journey been over the last three years now that you're contributing to the success of other farmers and secondly um How have you seen people change when they consciously focus on some of those limiting beliefs around money?
1: Yeah, it's been a phenomenal journey over the past uh, three years. So I've nearly got groups graduating now, which is really bittersweet because I love seeing their journey progress, but I really love them as businesses. And you get so enrolled as coaches in seeing them thrive and seeing them grow. I think that's been phenomenal. And I think for us, being able to give back like one of our values is contribution and and for us that means to give back and pay forward to in, enhance the lives of others and so for me being a coach i'm able to do that now every single day like it's it's phenomenal like it's amazing i get paid to do the role of coach but i will do it in a heartbeat because that's part of our values and part of what we do forward and i think being able to see like i realize now when and cheryl was watching our journey coming through And then I get to watch other journeys come through as a coach. Like, it's phenomenal to see how far people can go in three years and be able to do what you've done for us today and and Cheryl's done for us in the past and go, look how far you've come and look at what's possible. But also to be able to support them personally as well, like to be able to support their journey and their growth in terms of mindset, in terms of business and the person that they're being. Like, it's a phenomenal role and I'm really grateful to be a part of it. And it's just really special to be that little tiny glimmer in what somebody's journey is to make their life or their business better.
0: And Haley, when people change their beliefs around money, what yeah. is possible?
1: Anything. Like absolutely anything is possible. Like when we can take the emotional charge out and we can become neutral about money, um, then anywhere from that forward is amazing. Because what happens is most people have like their goals, like they want, everybody wants really good financial reality, whether they tell you or not. But the other part is what most, the thing that's happening the most is that people have got these amazing financial goals and their mindset is working in the complete opposite direction. So you think you're going one way with goals, but your mind's going, ah, uh-uh, we're going this way. So you never actually receive the financial reality that you actually want. So what working on your mindset does is allow you to get neutral with money, then you can start building this really amazing relationship with money so that it supports you and then what happens is you actually get into alignment with your mindset backing the the goals that you want to have. So you can actually start to accelerate your finances once you get everything into alignment but if you're working the opposite direction, if your mindset's working opposite to where your goals are. It's very unlikely that you will get to them, or it might take a very long time. So um, I think it's really key. And then all of a sudden, you think, what is possible? Like, I love the moment when someone says to me, they're like, this happened to me. Like, I just had, let's say, $10,000 coming to my bank account unexpectedly. And then the next comment will be like, if I can do this, what else can I do? Like, if I can get this money in, what else can I do? And then they're quite, their eyes kind of light up and they're like all of a sudden they're seeing way beyond whatever they thought was possible and then all of a sudden they're building this great relationship with money and they're like, I really want to look after it and I really want to sit down and do my budget because all of a sudden they become friends with it rather than enemies with it and working against it and it's a pretty cool realisation when you can see that kind of penny drop or that moment where it's like, wow, like all of this stuff that I've put on money is not even money and then it can be this and it can be so great.
0: That's awesome, Hayley. Thank you for that insight to I guess one of your great passions and I think it's so true. Money money is a tool to give us what we want in life. I love that concept that it's just an idea backed by confidence and so you know, if we can change our relationship with money, then that can be one of the key things that sets us up for success. Marty, throwing throwing to you for a minute, mate. How um, have you seen Haley grow over the last three years? As she sort of started as a coach with us and turned her attention to really focusing on helping other families.
2: Um, it's great to watch someone with a passion and watching that passion grow. Sort of, yeah. Sort of, it it's great to watch. Just even when you watch little kids play footy, and when you. See them 10 years later, how much they've grown. It's just the growth in watching them grow. That's what it is. It's just watching Kylie grow um, with a passion and, yeah, loving what she does, yes.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. So you've mentioned a couple of things. One, mentors in Tim and Cheryl and others. In this community, there's some amazing people who, um, you know, are available and then the broader community is incredible as well how do you put a figure or what would be your comment be on the value of having access to those people to support you on your journey and to support your decision making
2: it's just someone to bounce ideas towards might be or just even look over the neighbor's fence or talk to someone or you've got a quizzed idea you're not too sure about dog the dollar figure is endless just just even just to someone have a chat to just to let that idea fit, uh, uh grow into whatever or, or or allow it to work that idea out um clear your brain question your brain the opportunity the amount of people around
0: it's endless
1: yeah yep yeah.
0: yeah. and for you Haley, the the foa community how's it turned up and supported you
1: i think like It's amazing to be able to walk into a room of farmers who you can talk to about anything, absolutely anything in your business, whether it be from you personally to money to what you're actually doing operationally, and they genuinely care. They genuinely want to see you thrive. They genuinely genuinely want to see you grow. They're more than happy to share and give feedback, which is not often what we see in smaller communities. We quite often see it's quite close-knit and not always the willingness to share so I think it's great that we can be in a room of 500 plus farmers you can walk up to anybody and have brilliant conversations and there's not only is it mentors and coaches and um, the FOA team and the the wealth of knowledge within that but the absolute pot of gold that's in the knowledge in every single one of those person people in the room and the experiences they have and the amount that you can learn like we're Six years in, obviously three years um in of our own partner mastermind, and then in alumni, and we're still learning things all the time. Then we go, I get off my mastermind calls, and I'm so grateful that I have so many ideas filtering even from them that we can then allocate into our own business. Like the knowledge base, you I, you wouldn't even put a figure on it. Like it's ridiculous, and the amount of money potentially that that's made us is you can't even put a figure on that. Also, like no. it's just. It's a phenomenal community to be a part of, and it's just something that you can't manufacture and you can't find um, straight off the street.
0: Thanks, Haley. So the other thing you've mentioned are your company standards or your core values. I'm going to ask you to share those because I just think when I read those last night in preparation, I found them inspiring. Um, and no doubt, when it comes to making some bold decisions now moving forward, that a lot of those decisions will be based on these core values that you've set down would you mind sharing those just for our listeners and I just can't emphasize as you listen to these just just think about the value of having a really powerful set of standards and values like this underpinning your family and your business thanks yeah. Haley.
1: so the first one is passion so love what you do and do what you love have the drive to achieve more The second one is initiative, be able to stop, see and notice, be thinking of the next step and how that relates to the bigger picture. Growth, continual growth, personally, relationships and our farming business. Balance, family time is just as important as our business time. Pride, we take pride in what we do and we do the things to our highest capability. And number six is contribution, to give back and pay forward and to enhance the lives of others. So in, in every single decision that we're making in our business, we're looking at these. So we're always doing things that we're passionate about. Um, you know, quite often we'll tell each other that we need to stop seeing notice, we need to slow down. Growth is massive for us. Family time is always coming into it. Um, pride in what we do, contribution, like they're, they're always there and it's intertwined in our business and it's something that just now comes naturally and I think it's been a big part of even the business and the culture that we're creating.
0: Perfect. Thank you. So the other thing I was going to ask you to share, Haley, if you would, is your BHAG. So big, hairy, audacious goal. You mentioned Hudson has contributed to this and he's encouraged you to stretch it. I'm just keen to, for us all to get a sense of what's possible for you now given the growth that you've achieved and the foundation that you've set and this launchpad now that you get to build from, what's possible and how have you define that as your big, oh, hairy, audacious goal as a family and business?
1: Yeah, so our big, hairy, audacious goal is to have 20,000 acres within a 50K radius of us and $250,000 a year of passive income that's coming in from off-farm investments.
0: Perfect. And how confident are you that that, that that's going to turn up for you in well, your life?
1: We're already a quarter of the way there, so Might
0: not be who knows?
1: <laughs> Might not be very long. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing. Like it's just, it's, it's setting us up now to go. So every single day when we check in with that and when we see that, our mind is constantly now going to work to find the things and the resources that we need to be able to create that. So we absolutely know it's going to happen. It's already done in our minds. It's just a matter of time until we get there.
0: I just love your perspective on it. And just for my benefit, the structures, the systems, um, the architecture of the business that's going to support your growing team, how much time and energy have you put into those things so that you now have that foundation for growth?
1: Yeah, so that's something that's constantly on our mind. So now, like we know our BHAG, So now it's just a matter of mapping backwards. What system structures do we need to have in place to be able to support that business? What does that business look like? What roles do we play? So this is something now that we're constantly looking at. It's not so much um, like we have the everyday stuff to do, but this is now like who do we need to be to support a team that we need, you know, that might be a team size of five, for example, to run that. What do we need to do now so that as we grow, we put in a good culture, we're able to provide great leadership, all of these things. So this now becomes the basis of what we talk about every day and the systems and structures that we create.
0: I love it. Marty, for you, this is the business today compared to where it was five years ago.
2: Um it's amazing what it can produce. There's no actual top end limit. I didn't it, the idea was there, but probably didn't think we're gonna get this big this quick. Not saying we're big or anything, but the the, the growth is—it's up to you. Like it's sometimes why it grows so quickly can be scary, um, but been a very very exciting journey,
0: and I think the next so many years is going to be just as exciting too. Awesome, Marty. So, mate, just in finishing, what's what are you most proud of about what you've achieved? Um,
2: that's a good question. I probably haven't stopped and thought about it. Um, probably something that I love and I can go out every day and work. No, it's not working. I go out there and do it every day. I'm not working. Like, yeah, it's, it's probably what it is. Like something I can, that I've created that we've created that we love. We're not actually working. Doesn't yeah. feel like work anymore. No, no, probably never has. Got, the few years have been a bit of a push, but it's it's it's. I enjoy it. I love it. Like you, yeah. There's always
0: opportunities. One more question for you, Marty. What would you say to a younger you, if you could give yourself advice from back when you were young? Hudson, whatever it <laughs> might be, It'd be lovely. Percy, even Clary. Yeah
2: um Could
0: one piece of advice Ben
2: have a go don't hold back there's no one there's no such thing as a a, a, a cap just like a, a, a like a roof level
0: go out and have a go what can go wrong great comment one of the things that just is clear to me in this discussion just is your ability collectively to identify a problem And find a way around it with sort of creative and very lateral thinking you've backed yourselves and made some really bold steps that we've only really touched on along the way but i think it's that attitude that you've got marty that sort of supports your ability to think laterally and just find a way when others probably haven't been able to so mate well done on that
2: yeah i think probably one thing in probably allowed us to grow is we've hit situations where not necessarily cash just just workload or other things have been tight be creative like there's more than one way to do it um don't worry i've come home or i've got my mind's got lost i've just gone for a drive and come and turn up and thought oh that's how you do that go back and do it Or, or or how to fix that over there or cash flow or something there's there's more than one way to do it be creative be creative
0: i love it mate thank you so same questions to you, Haley, and then I've got one more thing to ask of you before we wrap up, but what are you most proud of today about the journey that you have both achieved?
1: I think it's the way we've come together and handled things. So we were really great as a team and I think we've been really good at awareness of when we've been on tr- off track from each other and and being able to bring that back together. But I, like, I love that I get to support Marty in his passion and he gets to support uh, me in mine, but we're on the same direction and we're supporting each other and our, like, it's so unified where we're headed to. So everything that we're doing is, you know, going to the same place to the same goal. We're just taking different paths together to get there. And I think, like, just seeing Marty grow as a person over this time, like, the first time when we got to Platinum Mastermind, he would barely say boo. And he was very quiet and he said earlier about lacking a little bit of confidence. And now, like, I, I get there and I'm like, I'll, I'll make a comment, like, I have seen Marty all day. I wonder where he is. And we'll come back and we'll see each other at the bar at night. Like, complete polar opposites. His leadership, the way he's grown, the way he communicates, like, it, it's just all been phenomenal and it's been a great journey to watch and unfold. And I think, like, that's been my biggest, proudest moment.
0: Thanks, Hayley. What a wonderful thing to say. So what would your advice be to a younger you?
1: Uh, similar to Marty, it's like no limits. Just, Just do the thing. Like you have an idea, just do it. So there were so many times like we had said to each other, we should have gone and done this before we got married, before we had kids, all of this stuff. I just wish back then I would have told myself to just go and do it. Like just feel the fear, do the fear, go and do it. The worst that could happen is it doesn't work and you can try something else. I think, like, that would be the biggest thing, just to have a go. Like, I would rather now have a go and it not work than not have a go at all. So, because there's so much learning and so much growth in that and it, it unfolds usually the next thing that needs to come along.
0: Love it, Haley. You were kind enough in the lead up to this podcast to share a few things on email with me, which were the key things that have shaped your business. Just in finishing, would you mind just sharing these with us? I think there's some compelling points in here, some of which we've touched on, but I think it's a really nice way to round out our conversation.
1: Yeah, awesome. So I think the biggest thing that shaped our business is being able to build long-term relationships in ag. Like we've got really good relationships with um, the key people in our business, so bank managers, agronomists, stock agents. So we really value those long-term relationships. But I think like what we love the most too is about building the relationships with the farmers that we lease from. So like for us and coming from the space that we did with the land that we had, like we're really grateful to be able to take on that land. So like I said to Marty the other day, like isn't it great that we get to lease this land, we get to fulfil like our passion for agriculture and how cool is it that we get to then allow the farmer to then be able to go off, live their next phase of their best life. And then being able to realise the, like the work that they've put in over time and now they get the benefit from it. Like I think that win-win situation and the win-win relationships in our mind where we're always looking at, it's not about what we gain and what somebody doesn't have or the best price or anything like that. It's like, how do we both win in this situation? How do we both support each other's business and life? And then I think that creates the foundation in which you can grow. So I think like that's been um phenomenal for us. Um and I touched on gratitude then. Like we are really grateful every single day for everything. If if we didn't happen to grow one ounce more, we would still be grateful for what we have. And I think it's about like if we can be really grateful for what we have and then everything else in the enhancement, it completely is like life changing. So because we don't need any more, anything else just continues to come and continues to flow just. Just because it's an enhancement. And I think like that's been great. And just the flow on to our kids, I think around that has been um fantastic. Um, we touched on our values um and what's important to us. And I think staying true to them has been a really big part. Continually working on our mindset, which we've already chatted about, you know, we're always causing life. We're always the ones that are responsible for what's going on. There's never a point, like, you know, there'll be times that we'll pull each other up and go, hang on a minute. What part are we playing in this? Because it's not always about what's happening outside of us. Uh, recognizing the expansion points that I talked about earlier. So where we knew we needed to push ourselves out of our comfort zone, no matter how scary it was, and knowing what was on the line and being comfortable with that. Um, and probably the last thing is that we know that everything's working out for us. It's not just about seeing the great things that are happening working out for us, it's also the challenges. So we've just rain um you know in the last couple of days it's folded harvest but we're like this is great this is amazing look at all the things that it's now bringing we've got subsoil moisture it's all working out for us because we could look back and this could be the greatest thing this harvest bought but if we focus on just the challenge at hand and you can get really negative and you can spiral into not a really great place so every single thing that happens to us we know that it's 100 percent working out for us we know it's part of the plan we can't just take on the good things and then disregard the other because nothing is neither right or wrong. Nothing is either good nor bad. We just label it that way. So I think knowing that it's working out for us gives us real confidence moving forward because we don't dwell on things. We just we do the things we have to do. We get a challenge, we solve it, and we move on. We don't put we don't put the energy into it that could hold us back.
0: Kind of makes sense, doesn't it, Marty? That when Haley turned her attention. Away from the off farm job, back to this business, that it's gone exponential since. Just your energy, Haley, and your um, passion for what you're doing is just so evident, and it's it's amazing. And um, Marty, well done. Haley mentioned this, but just the growth that you've achieved personally in your leadership and how you are going about leading this project with Haley, it is incredible. And so. When we think about it, from 350 acres to over 5,000, a five-fold increase in income and a four-fold increase in profit, and now a business with the structure and systems and plans and financial analysis and everything needed now as foundations for significant growth. You know, It is an incredible story. It's, an, it's a story that we're very proud of. It's been amazing to watch your journey um, and on behalf of the whole FOA community to you both and to your family, congratulations on what you've achieved and, and bring on the next few years.
1: Yeah, thanks, Hutch.
0: Thanks, Hutch. Marty, Haley, really appreciate your time and thank you for all that you do for FOA and for our other members and, and for our community, but thank you for sharing today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having us, such.
0: No, thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Profitable Farmer podcast by Farm Owners Academy. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long-time listener, let your friends know about us or come continue the conversation in the Profitable Farmer Facebook group. All the best as you grow your business and create your freedom farm. Until next time, keep being incredible.